<coughs> Podcast Network Asia. Hi, I'm Nikki Torres. This is Chief Best Friends, a podcast for work besties everywhere. We're here to help you succeed at work and in business through meaningful friendships. Welcome to the final episode for season two of Chief Best Friends. I'm delighted to have our guests today, the founders of The Cosmos, Karen Malk and Cassandra Lamb. I had wanted both of them to come onto the show back in season one, but the timing was never quite right for all of us. So it is with great pleasure and fanfare that the stars have aligned for both of them to come onto the show. On a personal level, I'm a big fan of the work they're doing in helping me understand the role of community for Asians and as women too. When I started this podcast, it was with the intention to raise Asian women's voices in both podcasting and entrepreneurship. Being part of the cosmos myself, I know firsthand how Karen and Cassandra is shaping and growing the community that's rooted in intention, transparency, and integrity. It is the standard I now use to measure the kind of gathering I hope to create for female founders here in Asia. And it's something I hope you can take away as we do the work we do in making this world a better place. There's so much we can learn from Karen and Cassandra. I know you'll come out of this episode just as inspired as I am. Hi, Karen and Cassandra. Thank you so much for joining Chief Best Friends. Thank you for having us, Nikki. Yeah, we're so excited. Hey, so to help our listeners kind of like uh, tell who's who, can you both introduce uh, yourself and your name and kind of like what you do at the Cosmos? Sure. My name is Cassandra. I'm super excited to be here. And I am CEO and co-founder of the Cosmos. Uh, And I'm Karen. And I am the chief operating officer and co-founder as well of the Cosmos. Cool. Um, okay, so I'm going to jump right into the questions and kind of like, I'm very interested about this. I sort of read about how you both started the Cosmos, how you both met, but can you tell our listeners how, how did y'all meet and what is kind of like your meet cute moment? So if this were like a, a scene in a movie, Nikki, it would be like that romantic rainy day where two strangers met up in a coffee shop. Um, but actually, uh, Karen and I were introduced by our mutual, mutual friend, Crystal Zhao, who by now has gotten so many shout outs on so many different interviews or conversations that we have been invited to. And she had reached out to me on Facebook Messenger, just kind of saying, hey, I have this friend named Karen, who I think you would just really get along with. Um, so when she offered to, you know, make an email introduction, I was like, sure, you know, always open to meet people. At this point, you know, I was kind of in a place where I was pretty lost with my career. I was working in big data consulting, knew that wasn't going to be my forever path. I had just started a uh, my very first passion project or side hustle and uh, really interested in storytelling. So she mentioned uh, this person, Karen, had done so many incredible different things, traveled around the world. But um, more interestingly, Karen was working on a project that was going to be bringing her to New York for the AAJA, Asian American Journalists Association, Accelerator Weekend. So we met, we made plans to meet up at a coffee shop. I remember uh, Karen had uh, a lot of things going on that weekend, and I was sort of the last person that she was seeing. So we met up at Spread House Cafe in the Lower East Side, unfortunately no longer open. And we were there for about an hour. And <laughs> I remember walking into this meeting just thinking, yeah, you know, like, cool, it'll probably be another person that I just add on LinkedIn. And, you know, we have maybe have a good time, probably never see each other again. We'll pretend that like, we'll keep in touch and we won't. So 
didn't have a lot of expectations, but when we met, we hit it off pretty immediately um, because we were able to get really deep into conversation. And that was the first thing I really noticed about Karen. She was someone who was really substantive and interested in digging into the nuances, really keen to like question structures and systems, which was something that I felt was uh, one, not only does that make for really interesting conversation, but it was a really critical way that I tend to see the world as well. So that was, you know, like my, my first impression of Karen and, and the time that we first met. I love when you mentioned that you kind of like were able to really hit it off and then kind of have deep conversations. Do you think that's one of the reasons why it's kind of like sometimes odd, right? When you're meeting a person for the first time, you kind of like want to um, put your best foot forward, even though it's kind of like a friend uh, blind date, right? Um, but how is it? I guess maybe this is also a question for Karen is that when you when you both met, how could how did you decide that you could kind of like have those conversations with somebody? Was there, cause I know for some people starting off that way might take a few more meetings. Was, was there anything in particular, if you could remember that, you know, made you say like, Oh yeah, I could totally have these kind of conversations with a person that I just met. That's a great question. And I reflect on that often because it's some kind of, magic really um, when you have that connection with somebody and I think for myself and Cassandra it was a real alignment of the cosmos <laughs> of uh, where we it's were really the cosmos <laughs> I know I had to I had to say it uh, where we were in our lives and I knew coming into that conversation that I was in this place where I was just exploring my Asian identity and I had just gone through this accelerator as Cassandra mentioned. And so I just had a lot of thoughts on my mind and I'm an Aries. So I tend to be pretty forthcoming with my thoughts and opinions. And I was also in this phase of my life where I was just really tired of small talk conversations and superficial conversations. And I'd done a lot of community work in the past uh, where that, um, type of conversation style uh, was really something that I uh, learned and, and cherished. And so I'd been in this place where I was just trying to apply that in my own life. And with Cassandra, I think uh, it felt very easy to talk to her because she's such an open-minded person. She's also just um, also like an, an Aries. And so I think we, as a as a moon sign, right? Am I getting it right? Yes, you totally got it right. Plus 10 <laughs> points because this is on a podcast episode. <laughs> yeah, we had to. But the fact that there is alignment in our personalities made that first interaction really easy. And, and I really do chalk it up to astrology because of the similar energy. Like we're both just like really excited, like really energetic, passionate people. And we also both have Gemini in us. So I think that's Cassandra's sun sign. So that's like her main personality. And then that's my uh, rising rising sign, which is basically how people perceive me when they first meet me. So like we both come off very extroverted. And so uh, <laughs> it's always still really fun. I think whenever we, we hang out, which now we get to do more now that I've just moved to Brooklyn, there's like this instant chemistry and energy. And I don't take that for granted because you're right, Nikki, like you don't have that with every person. So in some ways, we got really lucky, um, but I also think both of us were 
in a stage of, of our individual journeys where we were primed for that storytelling. Like we were both working on storytelling projects, so both of us were ready to go there. Cool. I love that you both kind of mentioned uh, your your signs because I'm also into that thing. Are you currently um, using any app? I just um, found out about the pattern and then CoStar app, which is all about, you know, finding out your friends kind of like signs and seeing how aligned you both are. And I love that kind of like you, you mentioned that you have kind of like signs that overlap, even though let's say for some, for someone it's a rising sign or for someone it's a moon sign. Cause I currently have a friend right now who, when I look at her astrology, we do have kind of overlap in that regard and you could see you could really feel how easy it is to kind of like have those conversations with somebody so I, so I can understand um what you're trying to say but you know earlier Cassandra you mentioned that your expectations I guess when you went in to meet Karen was that maybe you'll really have a good time and then kind of like vow to uh, keep in touch but maybe you might never but obviously we all know that that kind of like didn't happen so what kind of what happened in order for you both to nurture that initial spark of friendship and kind of like maintain it um, <laughs> over the years? <laughs> um, yeah. And I guess just to, uh, just so that I don't sound like a total asshole who doesn't keep in touch with people. <laughs> I think that like that was sort that became my expectation because I had been disappointed in past pursuits of I think trying to join different communities or mm. you know try to reach out to someone and hope that it goes somewhere and you know people have a lot of different things going on in their lives and sometimes it really does feel like the stars like aren't aligned, right? You can really hit it off with someone, but they might just not be in a capacity right now to have another person in their life uh, because that, that does take work. So um, yeah. that's, that's to speak to that part. And um, I think another reason Karen and I were able to jump in so deep and honestly, we were both really, I think, refreshed by the ability to do that instead of doing the but the, the little sing and song and dance of tiptoeing around the things that we really wanted to talk about was, I think we have to also contextualize that Karen and I met in November, 2017. So this, like the backdrop of that year was quite serious and somber. Um, you know, Trump had been elected. Uh, the country was going through uh, Me Too and the Women's March was uh, kind of like being planned and would later take place in January, 2018. So there was a lot of uh, frenetic political energy going on that was um, contributing, I think, to the environment in which Karen and I were starting to analyze or reanalyze, if, if you will, like our values and what we wanted to do with our lives and who we thought we were. And that was a really um, powerful opening, I think, for our relationship. <laughs> but uh, it was actually quite easy to keep in touch because what we would later discover is true Cass and Karen fashion we that very first conversation birthed like a project like we came up with the the genesis of the cosmos or or at least a next step uh as to how as to what would eventually become the cosmos that in that conversation so we actually got we talked for so long in this cafe that they shut down at nine and then they kicked us out so Karen and I were <laughs> standing on the sidewalk uh, I walked her to her subway because she had to go back to Bensonhurst with her grandparents. 
And while we were standing on the sidewalk, we pulled out our phones and put on a recurring Google calendar on each other's uh, cal- like a, a recurring invite on each other's calendars. <laughs> yeah. And mm. the initial idea was called Project Summit. We were thinking about putting together a summit for Asian women. And the funny thing is that we would actually do that last year. But that was our first idea. Um, and we wanted to just keep in touch to sort of flush it out and see what the next steps were. Obviously, it sounds ludicrous right now to be like, wait, you met this person and in an hour you decided you wanted to produce a large scale event. We would realize <laughs> in our next meeting that we might have bit off more than we could choose. So we, we ended up scaling down and taking different steps that did eventually lead to the cosmos. So that it was, I guess that, that's to answer your question, it was relatively easy to keep in touch because we decided to work on a project immediately. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of love that because from, from what I heard and, you know, I, I spoke to Aminatu and um, Anne Friedman and basically they kind of said the same thing that they like very structured time together and having kind of like a project helps, you know, give the friendship kind of like something to go on to because then at least you're working towards something together. So you mentioned kind of like this summit that you both had and I love this goal, this recurring calendar idea, which I'm going to do right after this call because I do have a friend that I want to keep in touch with. So um, I'll definitely do that recurring calendar invite. So, you know, you, you both decided that you wanted to start a project together and then kind of scale that back down. How did you both know that you could really kind of push through with it together? I mean, you you mentioned earlier that you wanted a large scale event, but realized that the next time you met that it was too too big. How do you go from something like that and then kind of like scaling back down? And especially, you know, for somebody somebody that you just met, how do you navigate those kind of conversations with somebody? That's definitely something we still have to do today uh, in, in the cosmos. I think yeah. part of it was our initial excitement. I think just in meeting each other and then in having this idea kind of reached a point of, of uh, how would I call it? Like, I just reached a crossroads where, you know, the, the excitement died down and we were like, okay, but now we're faced with this like real life Google Doc. We're no longer <laughs> able to hang out in our New York coffee shop. And, you know, things kind of became real. And I do think this is an inflection point because in many friendships or, you know, burgeoning relationships, it's, it's kind of like when you're getting closer and then all of a sudden you're like, wait, like, does this person like actually want to do this with me? And sometimes yeah. like they don't, right? And it fizzles and it's very disappointing. Um, and I think for me and Cassandra, we pushed through it because we believed in something bigger than ourselves. And that was that other Asian women also felt what we were feeling, which was that loneliness, like not having a space and wanting to connect. And I think that desire to connect was what drove me and Cassandra to like stay connected. And then even more so wanting that feeling for other folks. And so with that, it wasn't so much of like, oh, can Karen and Cassandra's like schedule make this work? It was like, okay, we have a mission and it's bigger than us. And so we yeah. uh, thought, and I think what one thing Cassandra and I do a lot, which I really, really love about our relationship is we like always bring it down to the real human experience. And uh, of course, like a summit and like, you know, all of the glamour that goes to that is a really exciting idea. But when we broke down, like, why would a summit be so exciting? It's just the, the foundation of connection 
for the first time in, in the space with so many Asian women. And so we were thinking about how to create that on a smaller scale and that became our first retreat. And so we were kind of designing a way for us to see each other again. Uh, and it actually turned out that Seattle, which was where um, our first retreat was, was where, you know, Cassandra would be traveling to for work so she could like scout locations and she would be there early. So like it was a way of kind of designing around that. Um, and I was in San Francisco at the time. So it was like not too far away. And so the big leap there was just that other people would want to meet with us total strangers, basically like have the moment we had in New York, but like 20 times over. And so we're really not <laughs> to be honest. And there were many, many times where I think both of us were just like, yeah, like maybe this won't work. Um, and I think we almost didn't give ourselves time to think about it. And maybe that's that Aries energy of just like wanting to get it done, like pushing to something that we could launch. And that was like our medium post first. Um, and then, uh, you know, actually getting to the point where people were confirming and then we were like putting down a $3,000 deposit for the Airbnb. Like it all happened so fast. It probably happened in a matter of like four to eight weeks. We didn't even really have time wow. to be like, oh, is this actually like happening right now? <laughs> and so, you know, for me, that moment actually hit like after the retreat. I remember Cassandra and I were back in her hotel and uh, it was like at the top, like, you know, the bar area and all the excitement of what we had done like was like crashing down on me and also the exhaustion. And I remember saying to Cassandra, like, I'm really not sure that I can keep doing this. And I said that because I was just at that point um, about to embark on a two month medical leave from my tech job. Uh, I'd just been diagnosed with anxiety and depression. And I was just not in a place where I could see myself being friends with anybody. Um, like I, I was just trying to take care of myself and it was a very painful yeah. moment to realize that I'm at the cusp of having just made all these new connections, you know, having just built this really exciting thing with Cassandra. And it's really scary when you, you know, you, you have some degree of trust from like having that experience, but also like it's a very new friendship, right. And to draw yeah. a boundary or to like have to speak up with something that's so serious and so personal, uh, was was really scary um, for me. And I definitely in my kind of um, more cynical side was like, like, maybe this is it, you know, like, maybe this was a good run for us. And now we're just gonna, you know, gradually like grow apart. And that happened, right? Often, right with so many relationships in our lives. And that was the kind of narrative that I've been telling myself as somebody who you know, definitely was a loner in high school didn't have a lot of friends, never really considered myself popular, associate myself more as like a social floater than like anyone with a with a crew um, or with a squad. And so it was like, I was like, oh, this is just going to be like every other kind of fading relationship that I've had. And again, that was, you know, in a height of moment of anxiety and depression, so like really wasn't feeling very optimistic. And so I think at that point, like what I really appreciated was Cassandra and, and she continues to do this today. And I think this is a big part of our relationship and of, of our company uh, really heard me. And she gave me that space to take care of myself um, and to kind of take a step back from all the work that we've done um, and not rush into something. And I think that part of a friendship, like having to go through something serious, like early on really being able to get through that gave us so much of a foundation for everything else we would go on to do, like, you know, like build a company together. 
Uh, Cassandra, yeah. you have another version of the story from how you remember it. I was just kind of like LOLing in my head because of how wild it is that Karen and I met. And in eight weeks, we produced and sold out a retreat. Like, I think that just speaks a lot to like when we're like committed and passionate about something, we like are almost in some ways like at least back then when we were young and a little naive uh, and probably had more energy to expend. It was just I think it just really speaks to the hunger that Karen and I had. Like, yes, this was about building something for other people because, but it was, but it also came from such a deeply personal place of never having that community, never having those types of relationships until we found each other. And in finding each other, we realized if there's us two, there has to be more people. And maybe those people like us haven't been able to come together because there's never been the right environment or the right context that could cultivate, I think, that type of dynamic or relationship or an opening for like a real connection. So it really became like, how quickly can we prototype this? Because we need to believe that these relationships can exist and that these types of conversations can happen and they can be normal as opposed to something that you talk about in a hush-hush private way with your friend. Because um, for us, I think we've always really cared about breaking stigmas and, and, and breaking the silence that can so, and you know, the shame that can so often come with, you know, feeling isolated and alone and like you don't fit in and like, like others don't understand you. Um, so that, you know, speaking to what, how Karen shared her depression, anxiety journey with me like that, I think that was one of like multiple different layers of like breaking shame, silence and stigma that happened very early on in both our friendship and our, you know, burgeoning co-founder relationship. And I guess it wasn't really co-founder. It was a collaborator relationship at that point in time. Um, but yeah, it was, it was really hard. You know, you get whiplash when you work for so fast, so hard on something. Karen and I also had full-time jobs in very demanding work environments. So we were doing this on top of that. And then eventually that you know, your fuel runs out, right? Like I remember being so exhausted because we naively had facilitated almost every activity that we had planned for that whole three-day weekend. Uh, <laughs> we vowed to never do that again because we realized that is just wild. But I think we learned a lot through trial and error. And I remember actually in that kind of gap between, so that retreat was January 26th to 28th, 2018. And um, Karen was starting her two month leave. And I was flying out to visit my sister in NSF in the following month of February. So that was when Karen and I got to like hang out again. And, you know, in a long distance relationship, it is important to know when the next time you're going to see your partner is, right? Because it gives you something to like look forward to, to build towards, like you were saying earlier, Nikki. So that was something um, that we could look forward to. And we got to hang out. And that was actually, I think that day Karen led us in this really fun exercise where we, we realized we have to name this thing that we were creating on accident, sort of. And so we did this exercise where we, we both you know, so we set a timer for three minutes and wrote everything possible that felt like it could name this, this, uh, I guess this project. And there were so many terrible names. I remember there was a point where we were like deciding if the company name or the community name, project name, whatever should be a plant. And I remember we were thinking about <laughs> fern. So glad we did not go down that path. Um, but that's actually like, that was a really fun day in which like we finally got to, to name what we were working on. And I think 
for me, that was a critical moment where I realized like, oh, like we're not just friends anymore. Like we're co-founders. We're working on something together. And I think it's really unique for us. It happened in parallel. Uh, I think um, sometimes it's one way or the other. Like you become best friends through being co-founders or you were best friends before. For us, it happened in lockstep. Yeah, I love that. You know, it, it kind of like gives me goosebumps uh, hearing hearing the story. And also because like when I think of the Cosmos and um, for, for listeners, I'm actually part of the Cosmos. Um, so, I, you know, when I when I came across the Cosmos, it it felt like a coming home. Um, there was never a community online where I felt like I could totally join this and just be my my best self, you know. Um, but that's what I felt when I joined the Cosmos, especially when you both started like a Slack group and all of that. So knowing kind of like how you both ran the community and uh, the transparency, I love kind of like all of the themes and that, you know, y- you wanted the community to discuss and just kind of like get us thinking about, you know, what's going on. I, I can kind of see now knowing a little bit about you two, it's kind of how a lot of that has kind of facilitated the way that the cosmos has, has been created. And, you know, even the name, the cosmos, I, I don't know, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but even the name I feel like is so serendipitous. <laughs> it's kind of like a big bang, right? Um, and, and I feel like even the, 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 the people that I meet um, in the community that you've created for us, I feel like a lot of them have been amazing in, in many different ways, even though let's say I, I didn't really get a best friend yet from the cosmos, but all of the people that I've met so far have been like, there's kind of like, the same wavelength and I love that about the people that you've kind of like managed to to gather in this online space so obviously having been part of your community and knowing kind of what you're trying to build or at least seeing what you're trying to build it's giving me a lot of goosebumps and hearing the the story of how you both kind of like came together as co-founders and friends it's kind of like just amazing I feel like it's the universe I don't know putting both of you together and then offering the world kind of like this gift which is the cosmos to everyone so yeah that's that's just me kind of like really saying that I love what you both are doing and I'm really uh, amazed in some way and kind of like you mentioned that you were putting it together when you were still doing a full-time job and all of that but now you both are working on it full-time is that correct the cosmos yeah yeah we have to celebrate that because it was such <laughs> a oh my god I feel like Karen and I like sometimes it's funny I feel like a lot of times people want to hear like the glorious story about like so what's next (laughs) now that you're full-time tell us about the amazing things that you want like you guys are going to like achieve and Karen and I are like let's talk about how freaking hard it is and why why is it so hard for so many BIPOC and women of color uh to to navigate this right like to to get to this point and I, I just I feel like it doesn't get talked about enough uh it's certainly something that we don't take for granted because I think Karen and I weekly there were so many conversations I remember where like whether it was Karen or I saying I don't know if I can do this anymore in different ways multiple inflection points where one of us like due to life circumstance or change of values or a tough situation that made us question you know like it really is oh my god in some ways it's like a marriage you have to keep choosing this uh you know you have to keep choosing first of all how you're going to show up if this is worth it, if you believe in it. Um, and I just, I just want to highlight that, like that is still very much 
you know, always top of, of mind for us. It doesn't go away just because you're, you're, you're full time anymore. Um, and that, I just like to highlight that narrative because it's not always rainbows and sunshine. The moment you like cross that inflection point, you just have bigger and, and different challenges. Yeah, it's kind of like the beginning. I know for a lot of people, it's like, oh, finally, I can do it full time. And they think mm -hmm. everything is going to go so well after that point. But actually, that's when the hard part <laughs> starts coming. <laughs> um, so I totally get that because right now I'm doing uh, this podcast full time. Uh, so I totally feel that right now. Congrats. It's like Congratulations, <laughs> Nikki. Oh, that's big. Thank you. But the the reason why I'm doing it full time is because I, you know, because of COVID, you know, with all of the late layoffs uh with jobs so i was affected by that and then i decided well you know now that i have time why don't i just focus on this and kind of like be able to tell the stories of all of the women that i've been wanting to kind of like bring onto this podcast and kind of make it grow a little bit more so i totally feel like just because i i tell people that it's full time like i get that yay you know it's it's amazing but in the back of my head oh no like i still need to make this work <laughs> Um, so yeah, but I totally get that. But I want to go back to the Cosmos and this the community that you're building for all of the a Asian Americans out there, um, or Asians in general. And then kind of like going back to your friendship, kind of happening in lockstep with you being co-founders. How did you both know that you were, you know, you were going to be the CEO or you're going to be the CEO? How did you both decide how to split or kind of like delegate the business to each other because I mean when I think about it you both never had uh, a chance to work with each other before before that and kind of like I guess the the retreat or the summit was was the first uh, instance where you both had could see each other work um, in the kind of I guess professional capacity how did you both decide that oh yeah I want to do this or want to do that was it you just gravitated towards the ones that you think energize you the most i think what was again very fortunate with cassandra and i's relationship is uh i think we just knew early on well i think i knew <laughs> i knew early on <laughs> i did not want to be the ceo and uh -huh. i think part of that was um just who i am as a person and i had spent a lot of time you know in the tech space and seen a lot of, uh, worked as venture capital, like seen a lot of that side of what it takes to be a CEO. And given um, where I was with my mental health and just my personality, like I am 100% somebody who is happy run in the engine room, figuring out how things work versus being, you know, forward facing, audience facing, customer facing. I, I'm happy to do that, but it's definitely not where I personally like get a lot of joy. And so I knew that about myself. And so I, I'm also like a operations nerd. Like I love spreadsheets. I love project plans. Like I like to like <laughs> make everything work. And maybe this is the like thread of our friendship that I'm kind of discovering as we have this conversation is like Cassandra and I've just invested a lot in our own self work and our self reflection. And that helps us show up in the relationship, um, able to communicate what we need and, what our strengths are, what our weaknesses are. And definitely early on, um, it didn't take long for me to see like a Cassandra's like very good at energizing people and evangelizing about our mission and just being able to create a lot of energy. Like she's like a, like a Gemini to the fullest. And <laughs> um, I think that's one of her greatest strengths. And that was just 
um, what I was looking um, for in terms of a partner because like I just didn't want to like do that work. Um, I definitely don't think it's always that clear cut. Um, and what we've been doing over time as now our roles are like becoming more uh, like there's like this period where we like delegate really well and then we like do a bunch of things and then it gets all murky again because we both like just end up doing a bunch of shared things. And so we kind of have these uh, quarterly board meetings where we revisit our roles. We've written like our own job descriptions and they never really last more than three months because so much is changing. Uh, but I think one thing we've become a lot better at is bringing in where we are in our personal journey and our, um, in a personal relationship and that letting that shape uh, what kind of work we do. Uh, but definitely earlier on, I think we were just like, go, go, go. Like, let's just get this done. But in our last board meeting, um, I think we did a whole like questionnaire. Like, I think I put together um, where uh, we were reflecting on you know, where we are with our lives. Like, what do we value and what, how do we want to show up at work? And starting with that as actually the foundation um, of our business and also like our um, co-founder relationship. And we believe like that cultivating that relationship is as important as like figuring out the business stuff. So we actually like started our board meeting with that personal relationship, co-founder therapy. We called it co-founder therapy. That's what it was. Um, <laughs> meeting um, on purpose and, and intentionally. And so um, one thing that I think is, hard is just keeping track of like a whole other person's like life like I know Cassandra so well like better probably her and my partner like people that I know the best and it, like I can't even compare my other relationships and I often feel like I mean this isn't a uh, fault of either one of them but I feel like these two relationships take up like so much of my like personal energy to like work on that it's hard for me to have like and many more any more relationships that are like at this level um, mm. and I, as a result, like it's in a very special place and sorry for everyone who tries to be my friend. I don't know. I do people. Um, that's how I feel, but it's like, it's, it's incredible because, um, there are days where like, we don't get along. Like, I think I want to be really honest about that because a lot of like best friendships and just the term best friends are, was very like, it's very intimidating to me. Um, because I, I feel like it means this, this whole like untouchable, perfect relationship where you're so close and you're always close and you have like the two halves of the best friend necklace and that that's like true. But then there's like an and where it's like, oh, like Cassandra is going through like all of this personal growth and self-transformation right now. She's like revisiting her whole relationship to work. And I have to like be there and think about that, not only in terms of like our business, but as a, her friend. And that's super hard because sometimes I'm like in the business mindset, I'm like, okay, like how is this going to affect like how we delegate our tasks and like our roles? And then at the same time, you know, it's like the softer side. It's like, okay, like she's struggling right now. Or, like she just needs a friend. She just needs somebody to listen to. Yeah. I mean, Cassandra can tell you. <laughs> doing okay on that I definitely think there are days where I I miss the personal part where I'm just like okay like how should we redelegate our projects for this week so that you have time um but it's it's um something that I I wish like more friendships did like I feel like if I was able to have these types of conversations with all of my friends they would all probably be in a like much different place but um it's it's 
really hard to get to that level of vulnerability um, and that level of trust. And I almost wonder, like, is that level of friendship possible if you aren't, like, working and building on something that requires this, like, almost daily contact um, and then multiple touch points within that daily contact in such a way that your lives are basically, like, intertwined. Like, whatever happens to them, like, directly affects you. Uh, I don't know, Cassandra, what what do you think? I am so glad you brought up the tension of, you know, being best friends and co-founders because I don't know if I would have chosen it if I had a choice just because like if I if I had like a pros and cons list and it was like pick A or B, which would you want? Working with a stranger or like, you know, working with a best friend and these are all the different things that you have to navigate. I mean, I ha- I absolutely have no regrets and I echo Karen like Karen definitely knows me better than anybody has like ever known me. And that is because of what she just mentioned, the intertwined nature of how your personal lives affect the co-founder relationship, right? Because how uh, can you show up for the business? Can you show up in the capacity that you sign on for? Can you do what your job description says you're going to do? And also, you know, like when some, when one of us can't show up maybe the way we want to, it, for a very long time, the team was really just me and Karen. Like we have had um, other team members, but we've always, she and I have always primarily uh, carried the brunt of the work as as the two people who wanted to to see this all the way through um, should. And as a result of that, it was almost always a very, it was always very clear um, how intimate we we would have to become with each other, whether we were comfortable with it or not. Uh, and. I think as a result of that, our relationship has grown in ways that I could literally only liken to like what a like significant other or real romantic partner type of relationship would be like because we've we've had to share so many milestones, so many intimate parts of ourselves that we that most friendships like never even get close to territorially. And I think that it is such a unique relationship and I deeply cherish it. I just wish that there wasn't this weird pressure to pretend that just because you are co-founders uh, or your best friends or your co-founders and best friends, because I certainly don't think every co-founder relationship is a best friendship. That doesn't mean that it's always like sunsets and, you know, and, and champagne and like giggles. Uh, Karen and I have had some of the hardest conversations I've ever had with another human being who is like not a family member. And we have them pretty frequently, I would say, uh, as a result of, you know, our ongoing commitment to our own personal development and our own values and the continual questioning that I think we've committed our personal lives to because that's who we are. On top of that, we've built a company, a community literally grounded in mine and Karen's, you know, personal values. And over the years since the cosmos has evolved, those values have come to really also be informed by, you know, the community that has come up. But at the end of the day, like they really do come from us and our commitment to embody them. So it, it gets even further amplified. Um, and as a result, it's a very, it's almost like your entire relationship is just so public because of the way that it's been been positioned and people feel like they can you know project uh fantasies onto it um and there often isn't you know and even when we get invited to like panel interviews or podcast interviews or or press anything any conversation that asks about our relationship um it's almost like 
better, I guess, as an aesthetic, if it's painted as this like awesome, impenetrable, things never go wrong. We always have the right answers. But something that Karen and I are, you know, especially in 2020, really doubling down on is like, how do we dig into the nuances here and tell a very authentic narrative about what it takes? Because it is a lot of work. And I think when we don't tell the story of how much work it takes and how, what, and how much commitment and honesty, vulnerability, the perseverance and, will, and like the consistent willingness to show up for ourselves so that we can show up for each other in the company. I think it creates a really, a really tough gap for people who might be starting out their business building or who may not be there with their co-founder to ever feel like they could, you know, pass that chasm, if that makes sense. It feels like an insurmountable gap uh, between, you know, someone who might be starting out or, or might be going through co-founder problems and like this, I guess, fantastical picture. Um, many, I think many companies actually fail, not because of product or revenue, but because of the co-founder relationship. And that's also, I mean, Karen told me a lot of horror stories about that <laughs> in the beginning of our relationship. And I was like, uh, okay, oh. <laughs> is this our way of potentially, um, what's it called preparing me in case this doesn't work out like a foreshadowing yeah just so you know asterisk <laughs> i'm just kidding i i want to nope. uh, recall from big friendship um one of the stories that really touched me was how they're in an interrelation interracial relationship as well as a best friendship and how one person can sometimes be blind to the other person's experience and vice versa. Um, and that's something that I think has shown up in ways for Cassandra and myself, like even though um, we're both Asian American, like Cassandra is Viennese and I'm Chinese and she's from California and I'm from South Carolina. We just have like a very different upbringing. Um, and I don't know the right word for it, but I, I think it goes beyond just like people see us, they're like, oh, they look alike. Like they just must like get along so easily as Cassandra's been saying. But um, I actually think Cassandra and I are very, very different people. Um, I'm Cassandra, you probably would agree. Hopefully. Oh, 100%. Despite <laughs> the fact that we have, you know, some signs in our sun, moon rising, yeah, we like, are very different. 30 minutes of this, you probably couldn't tell. If you spend like three weeks, you would definitely be able to tell. Um, <laughs> I don't blame anyone for not like being able to see it, but um, this year I think has just right like been a test for everyone, right? In terms of COVID, um, anti-Asian harassment, Black Lives Matter, every every angle of like our lives has been questioned and turned over in some way. And some of the hardest conversations Cassandra and I have had are around how we approach politics and how we approach activism. And um, we just have such different styles. And I remember one of the challenges that we had this year uh, was, was really, really a tough one. Um, and I want to share it because I think it's, it's hopefully the type of conversations like we're all having with people we love um, because it, it, of what's happening. What I uh, hosted this police brutality workshop um, with two friends and organizers for the cosmos. And it was really stressful. Um, I, you know, in addition to just being like emotionally in a, in a tough place, the moment we launched it, there was just suddenly like an influx of feedback on things we weren't doing right. And some of it was 
was directed at us in a way that um, was honestly just like really hard to take. It was very judgmental. Um, and some of it was totally valid. So we got just nearly a range of all kinds of feedback, um, all kind of very, very like emotionally heightened feedback. And so um, my response at that time, I was like in a stress state. I was like also reacting in a very like emotional way. And I was also very protective of the event because I wanted it to be good. I felt a lot of pressure to like say something good on this, not good, say something like meaningful and helpful um, to the Asian American community um, and really make an impact towards helping our community move towards a world where there is not any more instances of um, black people dying at the hands of police brutality. Cassandra wasn't part of this event and um, I didn't really tell her about it. Like it was, it was something I kind of just like hatched on my own over the weekend and it was moving, moving, moving. And then Cassandra sent me uh, this feedback on the event, which was in Slack. And it was like a very long, well-written out piece of feedback. And I was really, really upset by it. Part of it was just, I felt really unsupported. Um, I felt like a lot of it was um, really just unhelpful given like where we were and how tense the times were. And I, I just like personally felt attacked. And to have somebody that, you know, whose opinion I respect and trust so much, um, who I count on like as a best friend and as a co-founder to like say all of that to me was like just heartbreaking. Like I, I can't even really put it into words. Like if it had been anybody else, like it probably wouldn't have hit me so hard. And I think that was a moment where it was like the friendship pressure, the co-founder pressure, the pressure of just building anything that is addressing race and identity in 2020 kind of just exploded and we had like a really really <laughs> hard conversation um Cassandra cried I cried it was like I was like I just need some space from you <laughs> like I just like couldn't even resolve it at that point I was like I just like can't talk to her and so uh in all of this is like kind of the realization that like this is somebody who's like you know so close to you knows you better than anyone that you like literally can't stand to talk to and kind of grappling with that reality right it sounds so like again it's best friendship and co-foundership and uh, I remember feeling a lot of shame about it I remember feeling really confused just feeling let down like a lot a lot of feelings and there was one like really true silver lining though and I think it was just I knew in the bottom of my heart that we're going to talk again that we are going to move forward from this and this is going to be a learning experience and I knew that I just had to get through those emotions like those real human emotions to get to the point where like we could talk about it in a really healthy way. And we did, like we, we had like um, two or three meetings where we had like hour long conversations about it. And um, that actually became the foundation for like our new mission and values, which we, which launched about a month after. And I don't think we would have gotten there as a company if we hadn't had that experience because it pushed us to like confront our differing views um, on how to be active um, on this issue of Black Lives Matter, um, on what the cosmos is like role in all of that really is. And is it's like, it's not perfect, right? I think in the best scenario, we would have like sat down at the conference table and just like had sticky notes and like design thought our way through like the answer, but it just kind of exploded. And um, I want to share that because I, I don't want to have shame around that being like our experience because so much of what I'm, I've learned from our friendship is just like, it's okay to have disagreements. It's okay to 
need time apart. It's okay to like be human and feel all of these things. As long as you have this trust that you're going to work toward together, you're going to stay together. And it took us a long time to get to that trust for sure. But now that we have it, I, I really feel like we have this ability to have those hard conversations. And I think that goes back to your first question, Nikki, of like, how did we kind of start that, right? Like, how did we get to the point where that was possible? And um, I think it's both of us just committing to like, we're building this together and we are going to be friends. Like, like Cassandra, probably I pushed her away many times. She's like sticks around. So it's like Velcro. It's just like, keep sticking. And, and that's like something I really, really appreciate about her because of like how I know, like I deal with things. I like to shut down and I disappear and I retreat into a dark hole. And it's like finding somebody who's like, no, like we're going to do this. We're going to talk it out. And now I'm like also that person. So there's so much like in this, that one experience. Um, and I don't know, Cassandra, if you have any others you want to share that you remember, but I, I would just say like our friendship has just really been tested and I am grateful for it. I also want to add, and thank you, Karen, for, for sharing that because it's definitely, I think, a really difficult story and one that, you know, if Karen and I hadn't done all the self-work, we would be really hesitant to, to let people into because it, it feels so personal um, and, it, and it feels like something that can be so shameful, right? Like having differing views about, about how to do something in such a, a politicized time. But on the other hand of that, like while like what I said hurt Karen's feelings and she, and she, and she was feeling like, um, as she said, like some shame about her response about it. I went through like a whole spectrum of emotions on it too. I went from being like really frustrated with Karen because I felt like I didn't have any context in the event. And then I think when I saw some of the uh, the feedback roll through, part of me was like, oh, if I had been part of it, then maybe this wouldn't happen and then nobody would be feeling this way. Then I was, and then when I sent like the feedback in Slack, I definitely had this nagging feeling of like, oh, that was kind of like sending the the drunk text that you're not supposed to send that starts a fight with, you know, a, a partner or something like that. Uh, I definitely had that similar like stomach turning sensation and then I had to deal with like my own shame and guilt. And I was very uncomfortable at how, how what I said hurt somebody else. And very, and, and even more uncomfortable with the fact that like we had to take time apart as opposed to like running towards a solution right away, which honestly would have been more for my benefit of like not feeling uncomfortable as opposed to like really allowing us both to show up for the conversation. So it was all around a very, uncomfortable experience but I think like any transformative experience that's going to test you uh, allow you to up level your relationship um you know perhaps like burn away like some of the the the, the crap that might have been uh, keeping us I think from from seeing each other like really really seeing each other um I, th I feel like just going having gone through that we were able to look at each other in a different way that was for the better ultimately um and I actually think like that's just one of the very um, I think difficult things that Karen and I had to go through this year. The other one that I think really, man, twenty twenty was like our co-founder Olympics. Karen, now that I'm thinking about it, oh, it's like yeah, or like Quidditch. It's like okay, which match are we in right now? But the other thing that like we had to go through this year was 
uh, Karen had a really scary health scare that started like right after the Christmas holiday of 2019. And this health scare lasted all the way through, like I would say like June. And there were moments I remember in, in, in December, January, February, where Karen would be completely unable to work. And so I woke up, you know, kind of each day. And, and during this time, there was also a lot of pressure because we were selling a membership product and still had a big, I think, question mark as to like, you know, what are the other products that we're going to create for the community? Like, how do we continue to sustain the revenue of the company? Like really scary business questions were like hanging over our head and we hadn't quite fully answered them yet. And meanwhile, my co-founder is like, you know, sick and, and not sure of what's going on. And, you know, having to hold those two at the same time um, was... I think it was really challenging for, for both of us. And um, I mean, I'm just sharing this because one of the things that Karen just mentioned was uh, sometimes she can withdraw or push people away. And there were a couple of moments where, you know, Karen really did sit me down and say that she honestly was thinking about looking for another job. And I felt like really crushed by that, um, be, you know, uh, to have worked together, you know, with somebody for so long. In some ways, um, you can start to connect your identity and, and, you know, your, your, your dreams and like, your kind of like, I guess, like this next stage of your life to what this project could become, what this company could become. And, you know, in that moment, like I, I both had you know, deep empathy for, for why she wanted to do that. And at the same time had to sit with the discomfort of like, I'm feeling really disappointed and I don't think this is the right avenue, <laughs> you know, the right person to share that with. Um, and I don't know who else to share it with because this is the person that I have built this whole thing with and she's the only person that would really understand i might be able to talk to other friends who have co-founders but it's very it's very different because they just don't understand the unique nuances so i think that experience and i would love for, for karen to share a little bit about that was it tested our relationship in a different way because it won i think it really highlighted i think the the health costs of entrepreneurship and we both had to question is this worth is, is working at this pace something that we're okay with? Is it worth it? Uh, and ultimately, she and I landed on no. And that led to very real tangible changes in our company policy, how we show up. We had many, many meetings in Google Docs about this. Um, and two, I think it also really made us, I think, um, think clearly about, you know, if we can, if we can get out of this, like what, what has to change and what are the different, I guess, like, what are the different almost like fail safe measures that we can put in place if there is any such thing as a fail safe measure so that, um, you know, if we do need time to care for ourselves, that is something that we plan for so that it can happen. But that, yeah, this, that was another really hard period, but it gave, when we did navigate it together and we still chose to work together and, and, you know, now Karen lives in, in, not just Brooklyn, but in my neighborhood of Crown Heights, that's another thing. We've been remote this whole time. So like mm -hmm. a lot of miscommunication also happened because Karen and I were like slacking each other, you know, like sh while she was not feeling good, like I would be like, okay, do I text her? Do I call her? Do I leave her alone? Like uh, it, it made it really, I think, extra challenging to try to navigate the communication. But the fact that we're like, she's here now in Brooklyn, I can walk over to see her and her puppy um, <laughs> uh, it really feels like such a fucking blessing because, oh my God, like Nikki, there were so many things that really did not, that really, I think, tested whether or not we were even going to get here. And I think there will still be, as we go forward, like things that test us and 
you know, as I reflect on it now, like, I think if we weren't building, like, the cosmos together, uh, our approach to a lot of these scenarios might have been very different. Uh, I think the cosmos has been our accountability in a way of really living by values um, that we are building a company around. And one thing that I think Cassandra and I both share is having the leadership, so, like, myself and Cassandra, um, really embody the values of our company. Like, one thing that um, I have just like huge, huge um, problem with is just hypocrisy within companies, especially mission-driven companies uh, where um, the you know you're selling one thing but you're actually doing another thing. And I, I you know there's all kinds of takedowns right this year of like other female founded companies who've like somehow committed this crime, and um, it's it's really hard to read that in the media because being a founder, I can see now like how things can just kind of go astray as you're like getting pressure to grow uh, your revenue and you have investors and press and it all just feels so important. And at the end of the day, I think what Cassandra and I friendship and uh, relationship has been able to ground us in is like the importance of the person and the humans um, that make it all possible. And because we're building a company that's explicitly on a mission to help Asian women care for themselves, um, we have to ask ourselves every day, like, are we doing that? Are we caring for ourselves? And as Cassandra mentioned, like, there's all been kinds of like scary, difficult, challenging, unexpected experiences and events that have made us question that in like a major way. Um, even just you know now, like where things are pretty chill, that's like literally like the description of our relationship right now. Like on the pattern um, is chill. Um, you know, <laughs> we have to like ask ourselves that, and like now we're like, okay are we working too much? Like, um, and, and putting all this stress on ourselves. Like we just had that conversation today where we're like, Oh, we're both feeling really like underwater all of a sudden. And what do we need to regroup so that we have time to like go roller skating on Friday and like chill and, um, like take care of ourselves and our pets. Like we both have pets. I need to go to the vet. Like, like <laughs> things, are, <laughs> things are happening and, and I know her pet and she knows mine. And, like, we're not even mothers yet, but, you know, we're kind of, like, proxy pet mothers, right? And so just seeing, like, suddenly, like, you have to adjust your schedule to care for something else. Um, like, I I really feel confident that we can build a company that adheres to that um, because we, like, are doing that in our own relationship. Um, and, and I think we're – I'm, if anything, I'm, like, paranoid about that. So, like, anytime I catch a slipping, I'm, like, wait – like, we're not doing this one value. We need to be more compassionate. Um, <laughs> I know I sound like a, like a mom, an Asian mom. But I think that's something I'm just so grateful, like, for the cosmos. Because, again, like, like I was saying in the beginning, uh, I don't think I would care so much if we weren't building. Like, if we were just building, like, an enterprise software company, I probably wouldn't, like, care so much about the values. Um, because we're just, like, selling the software thing, right? But now we're, like, selling... Um, if anything, like, uh, what we're trying to live every day. And, um, if I could like package, you know, a guide to like how to have all these hard conversations with your co-founder, like I would, you know, and I think we even tried to write blog posts about it, you know, talk openly about it with our community. Um, and this space is, is just so, I don't know, like it's fun and it's exciting and it's really meaningful for us to be able to have this conversation today. Um, because I think it's, it's what, Cassandra and I have struggled with like looking at other founder stories. Like, do people like do they get in fights? Like, how do they resolve things? Like, does everyone just go to founder therapy? Um, and uh, it's it, there's a real like dearth of that information. And so, 
um, I'm like more than happy to share the hard stories and hopefully like show that like the friendship is not at risk just because you have a hard conversation, just because you take a day off from each other. That commitment to each other is something that like Cassandra said, like we choose every day. And some days like I definitely didn't choose it and didn't want to choose it and told Cassandra I didn't want to choose it. Um, so I like, and I know now like how damaging those la- that language is, right? And and I had to like learn that with from Cassandra sharing with me, like, hey, like saying stuff like that um, is is like really traumatic for me. And then I had to like go and evaluate, like, why do I always blow things up? I'm like, oh right, like childhood trauma <laughs> and the way that I've always dealt with things, just escapism. So I have to fix that, and um, that's like ongoing all the time. So. I I hope like people know that like we don't have it all figured out and that's what makes us the best people to build the cosmos I guess in in that way because we're like every day just like building this thing that we want and trying to figure out for ourselves. No, I love that. I feel like listening to you both the past I guess fifteen minutes or ten minutes talking about how tough it really is to build a business together um, and. I really love what you said where when the hard stuff happens that the friendship is not at risk because I think that's one of the things that I always hear about like when people say like oh don't start a business with your friend or don't be friends with the people you work with right that Mm -hmm. that kind of like automatically creates that divide between you and another person and I love how you both kind of like share that as you're building this business, you kind of like bring your whole self into it, right? There's no way to just be all business all the time. Mm -hmm. um, And you can't really separate your personal because in a way it does affect kind of like how we show up at work and all of that. So kind of like hearing your stories, it really gives me and I guess our listeners as well, you know, how, how it really means to show up with somebody as a friend, but also as a business partner. And I love how you both really gave us stories about how it's not something that you arrive at that it's something that you're constantly working through and you know I guess what my takeaway is from our conversation is that growing together through the years and through your business would always put you at these kind of like inflection points where you always have to reevaluate things and then have those hard conversations so that from that point on you could grow. Um, I know for some people, uh, those inflection points, those challenges can either uh, make or break you, right? And I love how you both kind of like just have decided that no, we will make it work. And I guess that's, it's really nice to hear that being best friends and being co-founders doesn't always just mean like everything is fine and dandy um i love what cassandra mentioned or was it karen where you know the word best friend takes a very heavy meaning like suddenly you have to seem a certain way um and also because now both of your kind of relationship is very public there's also that i guess um desire to always look the part right I'm not desire, but you know, a lot of people expect expect that to happen. And but the truth is, it's not always that way. Um, So I love. I I guess. Thank you, one for for sharing your stories um, with us. I take a lot. I I mean, I took a lot out of it. um, 
and I'm really looking forward to kind of like what you have for the cosmos. So I know we're kind of like a little bit um, over time. I'd love to go into the quick fire questions if you both can can do it. Shouldn't take too long. Yeah. Yay. Let's okay. Go. Awesome. Um, so before we we go to that section, I know that for the cosmos right now, you both are kind of like doing something. Is that something that you want to share for listeners before we move before we transition? Or um, I'm happy to just include that in the show notes when you're ready. I think the main thing, we do have a lot of exciting things that we're cooking up and there will be, okay. you know, an announcement in fall and then other things coming in 2021. But the main thing we would drive people to right now is just to subscribe to our newsletter, the Cosmos Care Package. It goes out every Monday um, and we have a lot of incredible stories lined up. Um, so, and that's kind of like the best way to be in the know for any of our upcoming experiences that we're putting together. Okay, perfect. I will include a link to that in our show notes. Awesome. You. You're welcome. Um, okay, so for the quick fire questions, it really is, I'll ask a question and then you ju both just answer um, the first thing that comes to mind. Cool? Okay. Okay, so what is activity with a friend or friends that you look forward to the most? Roller skating. I'm going to say eating. <laughs> <laughs> it's a new hobby i'm on day three so i definitely still have that like high <laughs> and these are the quad skates yes it? yes oh the, awesome. the ones with uh all the cool tiktoks and, and instagrams oh yes okay that's so cool um i i didn't hear what karen's was was it the same I said eating. <laughs> eating? <laughs> that is so true. Okay. Um, how do you distinguish when you're on work mode versus friendship mode? Ooh. Roller skating has helped. When we're roller skating, we're definitely in friendship mode. <laughs> Honestly, like working in person sometimes also helps us because we can tell when we're like being goofy and just taking a break versus working when it's online I definitely think we default to like work mode unless it's a distinctly different thing so it's hard I don't think there's like a, a clear cut when this relationship is so intertwined yeah okay cool uh name a favorite book or article that you've read recently oh my god I read like 10 books at a time <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> ah, so like picking one. Okay, I guess uh, mine is Radical Dharma. Uh, it's a book by Reverend Angel Kyoto Williams, um, Lama Red, Lama uh, Rod Owens, and Jasmine Sayadula. Um, yeah, highly recommend it. It's about the Bla Black Buddhism approach to social justice and activism. Okay, awesome. I will include that in the show notes. How about you, Karen? Ah, I feel so much pressure. Uh, <laughs> no like, pressure. No say pressure. the YA novel that you have been loving. No <gasps> pressure. Everyone loves the YA novel. No, YA love novel. <laughs> so long. I feel like because I've been moving the last two weeks, I haven't like in, like read anything or, or really done anything cultural. But I um one thing that I. I recently read, which um, has really got me thinking, is the first person essay by Emily Radajowski. I definitely said her name wrong. Oh, is it the one about buying her picture back? Yeah, you're going to have to. On the cut. Oh, it's on the cut. 
I read it last okay, night. I'll, I'll, myself I'll go back. find it. <laughs> he um, wrote about how strange it is to have men buy photos of herself and not being able to own them. And then she talks about um, an instance of sexual abuse um, while she was an up-and-coming model. And, I mean, there's just so many things that I think we think about beautiful people and to have her share in such a uh, I think you know what you're saying Nikki like such a honest and vulnerable like hard the hard hard stuff um of being a model uh was really really interesting and, and really heartbreaking and I've been thinking a lot about um the control of our image um since reading that yesterday hmm. I will go and find it read it and definitely share that that sounds like a really good piece of um, article to share. Yeah. Thank you so much. And then name a woman who's inspired you recently. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> uh, it's probably somebody I followed on Instagram, huh? Um, wow. These are good questions. I would have to say, I'll use some time to think, Cassandra. Um, I'm collaborating with uh, an organization called We Are API. And they're founded by mm -hmm. four Asian women um, who worked on um, one of the primary campaigns, um, the candidates for president um, for the Democratic nomination, Pete Buttigieg. And um, they um, have such a strong sense of civic engagement and they're really passionate about the issue. And honestly, like all this time, I just haven't met very many Asian women who are into politics um, and involved in campaigns and voter engagement and given that our election is coming up in November um, and just in from meeting them I've learned so much about how uh, Asian Americans um, just aren't talked to um, by either party or, or either campaign and as a result um, there are real surmountable challenges um, to Asian Americans being able to show up um, and vote at the polls and feeling like their voice matters. And so um, we're collaborating on an event uh, called Asian Women to the Polls um, in um, at the end of September, on September 28th. And I'm really excited because um, the goal is to just show um, and have that honest conversation, safe space conversation about um, being an Asian woman in this space and then asking all the stupid questions we have. And I think really importantly, um, talking about the cultural barriers, intergenerational barriers. Um, a lot of us have family members and, and um, parents who are immigrants or who aren't citizens or just there isn't a behavior of like voting and civic engagement. Uh, and as a result, of course, that affects like how our generation shows up. So I've just been really inspired by everyone I've met um, in kind of collaborating on this project. And I, I can share the link with you, Nikki. Um, oh, cool. Awesome. Yeah, I was, is it We Are API? Is that correct? Yes, We Are API. Okay, awesome. Okay, I have my person now. <laughs> um, <laughs> so this person is um, Kiona of How Not to Travel Like a Basic Bitch, who Karen and I um, actually invited to be one of our speakers for the Cosmos Summit last year. But specifically why she inspired me recently was she not only collaborated with a bunch of like BIPOC friends on putting together a guide on like how not, like how to break cancel culture and really like how we can practice solidarity and accountability with each other within like marginalized identities without like disparaging and quite honestly traumatizing or hurting each other and she's just been talking much more vulnerably recently about 
all of the, I think, abuse that she puts up with, but also the abuse that she has in the past done to others that really, I think, led to her questioning, like, cancel culture for herself. And I think the guide is just such a beautiful, um, you know, it was the beautiful outcome of what I'm sure was a very long, arduous, harrowing journey to, you know, asking the hard questions. So I really, really have been inspired, um, you know, by the work that she does to put together resources that like, honestly, our community needs. Uh, I know, I never Karen and I create content. We're always like, oh my God, this is so hard. So also when I look at the guide, I'm like, I see how hard that is. And it's very inspiring. Awesome. I will link to all of these. These are amazing. Thank you both so much. Okay, last question. What's one habit that's been a total game changer for you at work? Not making work my number one priority anymore. Ooh, that's a that good is one. so declaring good. it and Karen <laughs> Karen has inspired me a lot because work hasn't been her number one priority for a while and so yeah declaring it <laughs> oh I got a that skin is- desk I I, I uh, invested a lot of money in it I mean more money than I've ever spent on a desk but I I just haven't having so much like back pain and hip pain um with the work from home setup. And so when I moved to my new apartment, I got one and yeah, I don't stand all day, but I think just standing and moving around has helped me just feel more energized and not have so much like crunchy bones. And it like, I just feel so like uncomfortable after that work day. Um, so I highly recommend standing or dancing or just anything that like gets you out of like being crunched over the computer. Oh, awesome. Thank you so much. I think that's it. Thank you both for coming on to the show. Thank you, Nikki. Thank you. You've reached the end of another episode of Chief Best Friends, now part of the Podcast Network Asia and brought to you by Podmetrics. Thank you so much again for listening. If you enjoy the show, I'd love for you to subscribe and share it with your best mate. Connect with me at chiefbestfriends.com, where I bring you resources on growing your business, cultivating friendships, and sharing with you opportunities for capital and funding. That's all for now. Until the next episode, this is your host, Nikki Torres. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. <laughs>